Hey y'all, carb-loving creepsters. This is Deborah from hot, hot southeastern Arizona, where it's a dry heat, like an oven. You know what is also hot? Our favorite girls, Donna and Carrie, reading the latest installment of Sinister Sightings. So take a load off and sit right back and hear some tales. What is this, Gilligan's Island? Creep it real? (laughs) Don't get scared. Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 164. And y'all just heard Deborah W. Carb loving creepster. I know. I love that she said that because we all are carb loving creepsters. And then she said that we're hot. I mean, hello. Thank you. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Oh, gosh. Well, if you want to tell us all about your carb loving, head on over to patreon.com slash DAPC podcast. Okay, let's jump right in. This one is, my family's spirits saved me from a home intruder or something worse, the creepy house that finally left us alone. Hi ladies, I've been listening to your podcast for a couple weeks now, but I'm quickly devouring every episode and I think you guys are a hoot. I know that's an old lady saying, but I'm 24 and talk like an 83 year old Grammy. Hey, I say hoot all the time. After listening to a few of your sinister sightings, I thought I would send in my paranormal experiences from the first house my husband and I lived in pretty early on in our relationship, and all the paranormal stuff from the house ended a few months ago. It's been three years. Sorry, this is going to be long. When B, my then-boyfriend, now-husband, first moved into the house, I told him that I thought the house was a little creepy, but that it was nice because it had five bedrooms. He had a shit ton of roommates and made sure that each of them had enough room to spread out. He's in the military, and when they would get deployed, I would go to the house and stay there for the weekend so that it would look like it's being lived in instead of empty. Every weekend I would stay, I always felt like I was being watched wherever I was. The only safe place was his bedroom. When he would message me and ask about the house, I'd tell him that it was creepy, but I was taking good care of it, i.e. cleaning and having dance parties by myself. When they were deployed was the first time I saw it. I had to pee with the door open because I thought that if I closed the door, someone would be waiting on the other side. When I was washing my hands, I could have sworn that someone walked by the door. I looked up into the mirror and saw a tall black shadow man walking up the hallway then disappearing. I guess it goes without saying that I'm sensitive to the paranormal and this place sent me into overdrive. After seeing the man the first time, it became a regular occurrence. I never told my husband about it when we lived there because it didn't feel friendly and I didn't want him to start to notice it too. Little did I know, he saw it too, just didn't want to scare me by telling me about it. Eventually, instead of just the bathroom, I saw him everywhere, just out of the corner of my eye, but for the most part, he left me alone. When they got home from deployment, I started staying more often because the house wasn't empty and I wanted to hang out with my man. But eventually, I wasn't able to sleep there because... I started seeing sleep paralysis demons shaped like my friends. It always happened after B would leave for work, usually around 5.30. I'd try to go back to sleep, only to realize about 30 minutes later that someone would be sitting on the bed or a bunch of shadows would be standing around the bed. They always talked to me and they were always rude and mean and cruel, mostly asking me who I thought would believe me. Their voices sounded like him from Powderpuff Girls. You know, lots of octaves, but the main octave that was super clear was so deep, I knew that whatever had been wandering the house had found its way into my safe space. These shadows were always shaped 
like and slightly sounded like the other people who lived in the house. I kind of ignored it and assumed it would go away, but it didn't. And soon it happened every night slash every morning. And eventually they were able to touch me and sit on the bed. I remember one morning it was already light out and I saw the shadow of one of the guys that lived there sitting on the end of the bed, rubbing my leg, then crawling up the bed towards me. I couldn't speak. So I just repeated in my head what my mom told me to say when I was a kid, which was, you aren't real, you can't hurt me, so you have to leave now. After five months of this, I finally told B. He said everything was okay and that I should start going home when he leaves for work or stay up until he comes home till we figure this out. He did a bunch of research and eventually came back and said, it's probably caused by stress. I agreed, but secretly asked the spirits of my family to protect me in his room and keep us safe. My nana and my godfather are always around and are super helpful when I ask them for protection. Eventually it stopped and the shadow man was contained to the hallway. Fast forward a few months and I move in because I start EMT school and the ambulance company that I wanted to work for was five minutes up the road. Once I moved in, I fully realized how creepy the house was. But we got a dog and everything kind of calmed down. His name is Oriole and he wouldn't let me walk anywhere in the house by myself. And if I went into a room and closed the door, he would lay down against the door till I came out. B got deployed again a few months after I moved in. Nothing crazy had happened, but I started to feel like I was always being watched and that something was always on the verge of grabbing me. I'm a Hellenist. Hellenist is a Greek religion, so I believe in Zeus, Athena, Poseidon, Hades, all of them. And I realized that my fam wasn't going to be able to protect the room alone. I got an evil eye and prayed to the gods for help and guidance. Again, our room was the only place in the house I felt safe. Fast forward like six months and B and I have gotten married and he leaves on another deployment. He's been gone for a couple of weeks and one night I'm asleep with the TV off for the first time ever. I normally couldn't sleep with it off. I curled up with my doggo and out of nowhere the TV comes on full blast, volume 100, and the bed starts shaking. Then someone is pounding on the front door. The front door was on the other side of our wall. I can literally hear it shaking under the force of whoever was pounding on it. The dog freaks out and tries to climb through the window, which was open, and he tries to get our bedroom door open, which also has someone knocking on it. I'm laying half naked because I only sleep in my skivvies, crying because I don't know what to do. Pupper finally gets on the bed and sits on me, and I hear someone run away from our front door and across the yard. Everything stops shaking, and I get up and walk across the room to the TV remote, which had been sitting on the bookshelf. The TV turning itself on was a regular occurrence, so I always kept the remote far away from me so I wouldn't explain it away. I turned the volume on the TV down, pull on a hoodie, and grab B's gun from the gun safe and walk to the window. Oriole, who Donna just told me I have said wrong this whole time, okay, is a Malinois, unsure, lab mix, so he's huge. I peek through the blinds and see no one. I refused to look around the rest of the house to see where the knocking on the bedroom door came from and instead opt to curl up with my dog and put on a Disney movie and cry, as well as thank my fam and the gods for protecting me and waking us up before the banging and the knocking started. I called my husband the next day after Oriole and I left the house and told him we were going to stay at my mom's for a few days. I told him everything that happened the night before. He asked if his brother had heard anything because when all this happened, he would have been getting ready for work. I texted him and asked. He said he had been awake then. His room is under ours. He had been in his bedroom and heard nothing. He didn't hear the dog bark. He didn't hear any knocking. He didn't hear anyone run away. 
Sure enough, I called B back and told him, we're not staying in this house. And once the lease was up, we moved out and into apartment. The only downside is whatever bad thing that had been there followed me. I'll send y'all some more stories if you'd like to hear them, but this is the main one. And like I said, it wasn't until recently, two months ago, that I felt like whatever it was in that house finally stopped following us. Also, I now sleep with full-on PJs. Your girl ain't gonna be called out like that again. Sorry for the novel, but hope you guys enjoyed it. Love your podcast and you guys. Keep up the amazing work. Creep it real, Taylor. I don't care what happens to me. I cannot sleep in clothes. Panties only. No, I can't. I just started the moo-moo thing, uh, so I can get down with that, but normally... Shirt, pants, socks, all the things. <laughs> I could just see you running out with your moo-moo tucked under your boobs with your socks and your Crocs on if something happened. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what would happen. That's exactly what would happen. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had, Look, call me Carrie, but don't fuck with my sleep. But just don't fuck with me when I'm laying in bed. You're just so vulnerable. Yes. And then don't be mean to me. Them just, like, being negative and, like... Telling you no one's going to believe you and all of that. Uh-uh. Don't like that. And of course, we definitely want the other stories. All right. The next one. Hey, ladies. First off, just wanted to say I'm a new listener, but I love your podcast. Y'all keep me laughing. I wanted to share my story with you today. About 10 years ago, I moved out of my mama's house in our small country town in Southern Virginia. I moved in with a coworker and her then four-year-old daughter. We were renting her boyfriend's old farmhouse. It was perfect. We both loved our quiet little place and really only had issues with our neighbors thinking that we were the cute lesbians from down the street with a kid. Across from the house was a large field with an abandoned house and thick woods. Hang with me, foreshadowing. My friend and I worked at a local pizza restaurant and she took most of the morning shifts, so I stayed at home with the kid. Now, all my local friends know, kids scared the living shit out of me. So this was already something I was way uncomfortable with. One day, we were both home alone, and the kids started staring at a wall. Just staring. I asked her what she was looking at, and she wouldn't respond. Just stared. Finally, she slowly turned and just said one phrase. The dark-eyed people don't like you. What? Let me tell you, I laughed off most of it due to her imagination, but internally I was screaming, oh fuck no. This continued for several days, even when her mama was home. I finally told her that this kid was creeping me out and it needed to stop. It would later escalate to the kid, quote, seeing people in the woods. You guessed it, they hated me too. I finally decided to take things into my own hands and see if there was a squatter or something in the house across the street. So one dark night, my roommate, her boyfriend, and me sat across the street. We were armed with a set full of dull kitchen knives and a gun. I'm pretty sure was never loaded. I don't even know what we would have done if someone was there, but much to my delight, we found nothing in the house. We turned to leave and, for some reason, decided to explore the woods to the right of the house. We walked in. It was dark and so thick that we tripped over everything. In the middle of the plot, we uncovered some gravestones. Most of the names had worn off. We quickly noped our way back across the road and locked every single door and window we could possibly find. 
Fast forward to the next morning and the kid wakes us up. By this point, I had stopped sleeping in my own room because I was scared shitless of the dark eyed people. The kid looks directly in my face and says, they are coming. I ask who and if she could show me where they were. She walks outside and points directly to the plot where the hidden graves were. I had hit my limit. I got out of there so fast I almost left my dogs from being so scared. I ran back in and got the girls. Promise. We went straight to my mama's and I just cried. I never stayed in that house alone again. And not even two months later, I moved back home. My roommate and I fell out, but even when we do speak, we don't mention this event. The house is rented now, but I won't go near it. We never found out who the people were that were buried there, but I do remember that there was a gravestone that indicated it was a kid. I don't know if something happened to them or what, but it was intense. So there it is, my long sinister sighting. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Thanks for the scares, Cece. At first, I was like, oh, and I still kind of think this, but I wonder if the kid, like, didn't really like you too much. Like, I hate to say that, but, like, was just trying to find a way to express that and was like, these people don't like you. You know, these other people don't like you. But how would she know about the gravestones? Well, that I don't fucking know about. Mm. See, so it could have been that. Yeah. But then it ties into that, and that's just, uh uh-uh. Uh-uh. But then that's kind of weird, though, that you and your friend fell out. But I wonder, like, was she still living in that house? Because what if the black-eyed people got in? Oh, my God. And, like, had, you know, like, preyed on her and, like, gotten her, you know what I mean? Like, kind of turned her energy and stuff. I don't know. But I'm glad you got out, Cece. And thank you so much for listening. Okay, the next one. Hello, and sinister sightings from Southeast Asia. Hello, Donna and Carrie. First off, let me tell you, I have binged the heck out of your podcast since discovering it about a month ago. I love the stories, your personalities, and the lovely friendship that you two share. Lovely. They don't know us very well. Whatever. Before I creep you both out with my intense stream of adoration, here's a little creepy story I'd like to share with you on your Sinister Sightings podcast. I used to teach at a small kindergarten in Malaysia. It's worth noting that the history where the kindergarten was is actually rather dark. Back in World War II, that district was where civilian massacres and ugly things of war took place. After the occupation ended and time had washed off the evidence of war, houses and shops were built, the area ended up being one of the more prestigious neighborhoods. That said, as you can imagine, the energy and juju is still a little unsettling in that area, especially if you're a bit sensitive. Now, I wouldn't claim that I'm sensitive, but I've had a few experiences in my life that has made me realize that there is a whole universe that remains unseen and unknown by many. Two teachers and myself took turns opening up the kindergarten in the morning and closing it up after the children left for the day. As I was new and didn't know how things were yet, I thought nothing about doing it on my own for a week. And oh boy, did I not do it alone again after that, if I could help it. At closing, we had to stack the chairs neatly on the side of the classroom so that it would be easier for the cleaners to get a good clean after we left. 
We also had to make sure that the toys were back in the right places, ready for any early arrivers in the morning. Before I left the day before, I did a quick once over the place to make sure everything was in order. When I arrived the next morning, turning on the lights and setting up, I noticed the chairs in one of the classrooms were unstacked and placed like they had been used for a meeting of sorts the night before. While odd, I didn't think anything of it. The people who ran that kindergarten were pious Christians, and I know they sometimes had junior Bible studies and little lamb sessions at the school. Again, as I was new at the time, I didn't know that they took a break because there weren't enough takers for the term. I went on for the rest of my day. Just like before, did a quick once-over before the cleaners came to ensure that all the toys and chairs were back in their place at the end of the day. The next day, I opened up to discover that the chairs in another classroom had been unstacked and placed in random places around the room. I put them back in order and found that one chair was missing strange. I went around the kindergarten, switching the lights and setting up the other two classrooms when I approached the corridor that led into the indoor sports hallway. I found the missing chair at the end of the corridor next to the door. Annoyed with whomever that didn't pick up after themselves the day before, I cursed out loud and grumbled to myself as I walked down the corridor to pick up the chair and switched on the lights to the hall. When the light flickered on, I noticed a basketball in the middle of the hall. As I approached it to pick it up, it moved slowly back and forth about two feet each way, like someone was rolling it, but there was no one there. When I get close enough to it, it stopped. Like someone just put their hand gently on it to stop it from rolling. My blood ran cold. I still get the heebies writing about it today. As it was so early, the AC hadn't been turned on, none of the windows were open, and the floor was concrete. I can't really fathom what could have caused the ball to move like that. Because my mouth sometimes run before my brain engages, I basically yelled something to the effect of, Oh, hell no. You have fun with the ball. It's too damn early for this, and I need coffee. I hightailed it out of there and went to the nearby convenience store for breakfast. I returned to the school about 20 minutes later. I must have looked a bit shaken when I returned because the other two teachers who had already arrived gave me a knowing look and said, You left in a hurry to get some breakfast, didn't you? Get why we do mornings together? Good luck telling the boss she's not going to believe you. According to her, this place is blessed. That's it for this experience. If you reach this point, thank you for reading my story. I have another story involving a student at the school and others from other points in my life. I'm happy to share if you're keen. Until then, creep it real, ladies. Much love, one of your Patreon fans. Oh my gosh, well, I have two things. Okay. First, I love how you said keen. Two, did your chairs have the little tennis balls cut and used on the bottom? You know what I'm talking about? Say that again? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Like a walker? Yeah. But don't they do that with, like, little kids' chairs, too? Yes. Like, that's when I was picturing. And so I just need to know if I was picturing it correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they do that. I don't know if they do it there, but... Yeah. So it's like little tennis balls, and they cut, like, a mm-hmm. crisscross, like an X, and... Or in this case, a cross, you know, little lambs. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, little lambs is cute. I was like... Never heard that? No, I've never heard that. Golly. Another thing... These are all my observations... The air wasn't on yet. Look, can the air always be on? It can be up to a certain degree, but can it always be on? Also, if the air's not on, the windows aren't open, are you suffocating? Because I would be. Oh, my gosh, me too. And, you know, kindergartners. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, uh, of course we are keen for those other stories. Hell yeah. And I don't blame you. I would have noped out of there too. I love that you're like, nope, you can have that ball. Gotta go. Coffee trumps everything. (laughs) That is true. This is how much I'm a coffee connoisseur. I get my coffee from McDonald's usually. (laughs) 
it's because that's what we have around here that's like drive through friendly. And you know I'm taking Marley with me. Well, the next one is Hello from Canada. It's weird that we've had like two back-to-back that were like new listeners. Mm-hmm. And now two back-to-back. It's like Hello from Across the Pond. Canada's well, not Canada's the pond. not Across the Pond. But you know what? I have to use international postage. Across the Pond is my broad term of not the U.S., okay? Okay. Hey, ladies. First of all, I need to fangirl for a moment. You two are awesome. I started listening earlier this year while I was stuck inside in quarantine after traveling home to see family, and I got hooked. I felt compelled to share a bit of information just as an additional fun fact and a story suggestion you may want to look into. Number one, fun fact, the Dexter Killer. I've listened my way through a number of your episodes, but I will admit my jaw dropped when you brought up Mark Twitchell. Reason being is that I actually dated Mark for a short period of time. What? We met through Plenty of Fish, online dating. Ugh, has not gotten any better. Uh, we call that Plenty of Felons. Thank you to Homet's Chronicles. Yes. When I was living in Edmonton, Alberta, I've since relocated to Halifax, Nova Scotia, with a short term in Ottawa, Ontario. We met shortly before he met his future wife, and I can say it was a fairly uneventful relationship. Nothing too exciting to report, which is why it shakes you to the core when you realize that someone you knew was able to cause such horrors. I can confirm he was a man obsessed with movies, specifically Star Wars and allergic to cats. I had two, which is a good reason for the relationship not to work out. And like Olive Garden, he was obsessed. So truly a regular run-of-the-mill guy until... Dun-dun-dun. Right? Number two, the story suggestion. It's St. Pius X High School Shooting, Canada's second school shooting. I hope I said that right. On October 27th, 1975, at the St. Pius X High School in Ottawa, Ontario... Robert Poulin opened fire on his classmates, killing one and wounding another five. His intent in going to the school was actually to murder his father, who was a teacher there. Earlier that day, Poulin had raped, sodomized, stabbed, and lit on fire his 17-year-old neighbor. Oh my God. Setting the fire was actually with the intent to burn the family house down. He was not successful in burning down the house. I can say for certain that the Poulins remained in the house after the murder and the fire. The reason I know this is that Robert Poulin was my ex-husband's uncle. What the hell? My family never spoke about the event, nor spoke about Robert. I found out by accident when doing research for a criminology class. It was a bit of a rude awakening. As for paranormal stories and experiences, there are plenty. I grew up with an Irish father who came from a long line of individuals that have a sensitivity to a world we don't see. You could always tell something was around when you saw the hairs on the back of its neck stand up. My sister and I have inherited that sensitivity in varying degrees, which I can say was not pleasant as a kid, but luckily as a grown-up, we've adapted in our own ways. Anyhow, enough for now. You have an open invitation to come visit Halifax, Nova Scotia. Donna, Nova Scotia was the originator of the bearded, tattooed lumberjack look, so you would love it. For funsies, I've attached a picture of my pup, Lucy, just because she's so cute. Stay awesome and creep it real, Genevieve. You have more interactions with killers than anyone ever. (laughs) 
right? Like, how you know so many killers? I mean, you didn't, you know, you're not doing it on purpose. I'm just giving you a hard time, but... Well, not to plug Patreon, but we just talked about this on the bonus episode on Patreon, where it's just like, you really don't know people's personal lives. You really, really don't. Met that motherfucker on Plenty of Fish. Jesus. Ugh, that is one I do not use. I mean, have I? Yes, but like, I don't use it now. But I mean, hello, there's been, well, one, the Tinder swindler. I know he's not a killer, but... uh, Craigslist. Yeah, Craigslist. I mean, you know, I mean, not really meeting people off Craigslist, but it's a thing. I mean, people do, yeah. But I mean, there's all kinds of people. Like, I can't think about the guy, the grinder guy who uh, killed Kevin Bacon. Oh, bless his heart. Carrie just looked at me. <laughs> well, I forgot. I was like, six degrees of Kevin Bacon over here. <laughs> just but you were so confident. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew that your cats would save your life? Oh, my gosh. But also, let's talk about that shooting. And I'm so sorry if that is a... Yeah, it's, it's definitely a hot button. Right know, not really hot button thing. That's kind of a weird thing to say about it. But like... It's definitely like a pertinent current affair right now. Yeah. So if it is a trigger, I'm sorry. I didn't do a content warning before that. But oh my gosh, the stuff he did before that. Oh, like he woke up that day and was like intent on doing the worst he could imagine. Oh, that's just heartbreaking. Okay, the next one. Black Eyed Kids question mark. Hello, beautiful babes. This is my second story that I've ever sent in. This one is kind of unknown. This happened last fall in 2020. The weather was nice and around 68 degrees at the highest that day, but nighttime, it got pretty cold. We were outside letting my child play on our playground. My boyfriend and I heard some commotion going on from the neighbors. We walked towards them as their house is almost right in front of ours. Turns out this neighbor is arguing with the neighbor down the street. We ask the neighbor closest to us what's going on, and she tells us that she went down the street to tell the other neighbor lady to keep an eye out for her kids as they stay out all day without supervision. These kids are six to nine years old, I believe. The neighbor with the kids tells my other neighbor to worry about herself and just yells profanities at her. I then ask her, what have the kids been doing? She lets me know that this lady doesn't watch them and she's scared that they're going to get hit or mess with someone's property. They had ran into a guy's truck with their bikes earlier that day. My neighbor also tells me that she's good friends with the older lady that lives a few houses down. She told me that this poor elderly lady keeps hearing knocks on her bedroom window every night and calls her immediately, freaking out almost every night. The neighbor also tells me that she believes these kids are the one terrorizing the older lady. I asked around what time they were out because I work weekends and I'm out at 4 a.m. Friday through Sunday. She said it would be around 12 a.m. at nights. I told her I would keep an eye out for them. That same night, my boyfriend's phone and mine keep going off. The sensor on the ring camera keeps getting set off. It woke us up out of a dead sleep. I go to check the app to see who's out there and surprise, the damn camera lens is fogged up. My boyfriend gets up trying to look through the window and sees the porch light is triggered on as well. But we can't get a clear view of the porch and see anyone there. It was around 3 to 4 a.m., I believe. My boyfriend says he's going to open the door, but for whatever reason, he doesn't. He gets back in bed, and I tell him about the neighborhood kids messing with the elderly lady. I told him it's probably them. 
He then tells me that he heard something that sounded like knocks in his sleep. We go back to sleep as whatever or whoever triggered the sensors went away. What was this? What do you think? Was it the neighborhood kids or was it these black-eyed kids? Maybe an animal? It's just weird that this happened when it was told to me. It's never happened since. Kathy from Kentucky. Here's my thing about that. Like, if they're getting out at, like, midnight and doing this stuff, how are they getting out of the house so easily? Like, I understand being out during the day if, like, their mom is gone and stuff. But, like, if she's there, I don't know. I'm just trying to think, like, it's black-eyed kids. And, like, that's why it's at, like, 1 and, like, 3 in the morning. The timing makes sense, but, I mean, you have kids run amok in the neighborhood, you know, so right. I don't know just because of that. Right. I don't know, but, ooh, I would be so mad. But, like, it is kind of weird the camera didn't work and all of that. Yeah. I wonder what stopped him from opening the door. Right? That That's another thing. When I read that line, I was like, oh, there's going to be, like, I thought something else was coming, like, he didn't open the door, and then we saw the camera, the bump, yeah. bump, you know. I don't know, and that it hadn't happened since then. I just feel like if it was kids doing it, they would keep doing it until they got in trouble. I don't know. I don't know. Kids are weird. (laughs) That they are. Okay. The next one is Sinister Sightings from a Vegas Chick. Another uh, location. (laughs) I'm just saying. Like, I love when it goes through, like, threads. Huh. Hi, ladies. I'm pretty new to your podcast and have been listening for probably a few months. I love it. I've listened to quite a few sinister sightings and some of the paranormal things that have happened to people, I think I would have had a heart attack and died. So this story might not sound as scary as some, but this was one of the scariest things that happened to me. It proved to me that the paranormal things happen and started a lifelong fascination with the paranormal. Let me set the story up. My parents retired in 2002 and moved to Redding, California from Las Vegas. I'm a teacher and every summer since they moved, I would drive from Las Vegas to Redding with my two daughters to stay with my parents for two to three weeks. The story I'm about to tell you happened on our second summer there. I have to explain how my parents' house was set up because it's important to the story. One side of the house had three bedrooms and one guest bathroom that were connected by a hallway. At the far end of the hallway was my parents' bedroom. Then down the hall from them was the guest bedroom that I stayed in. Next to my room was the bathroom and next to the bathroom was the girls' room. You could get to the guest bathroom from either the hallway or from my room. Hope that makes sense. Now with the logistics taken care of, let's move on to the story. I was in the guest room sitting on the bed watching TV. My parents were asleep down the hall and my girls, Adriana, two years old, and Ariel, seven years old, were asleep in their room. I am always up super late when I'm off for the summer, so it's around 2 a.m. I was watching TV and the door to the bathroom was open and it was dark. I'm sitting there minding my own business and from the darkness of the bathroom, I heard a very loud whisper that said, mom. Now the voice sounded like a whisper, but it was loud and this is a small room. So the door to the bathroom is like five feet away from me. I looked towards the door, frowned and said, what? I was thinking that it was most likely Ariel because it definitely didn't sound like a toddler voice. She must have entered the bathroom from the hallway without me hearing her. Why the hell is she in there in the dark? 
I'm sitting there waiting for her to answer, probably only 10 to 15 seconds, but long enough for me to start getting weirded out. And I'm also getting annoyed because why is my daughter calling me from the bathroom and then not saying anything else? Like, why are you being so creepy? And then I heard it again, a very loud whisper, mom, coming from the darkness of the bathroom. Is there a word for being slightly scared, slightly annoyed at the same time? Because that's how I was feeling. I said, what? While simultaneously jumping out of bed, practically flying into the bathroom, I flipped on the light and had started to say, why are you whispering to me from the dark? It's really creepy. And to my utter disbelief, there was no one there. The door in the bathroom that led to the hallway was closed. Now the fear was real. I'm about to throw up, pee my pants, cry, and my heart is beating out of my chest like I just ran a marathon. I grabbed the door to the hall, flung it open, no one in the hall. I grabbed the door to the girls' room and flung it open. Both of my daughters were peacefully asleep in bed. I went to the bedside and checked both of them were out cold. Ladies, I am telling you, I have had some paranormal things happen to me, but for some reason, this was terrifying. There is no denying a voice as clear as day whispering to me loudly five feet away in the dark bathroom saying, Mom, like why? I was shaking. I ran down the hall to my parents' room. Mind you, it's still around 2 a.m., but I didn't care. I woke my mom up and made her come with me. I told her what happened because I could not wrap my head around this. I told my mom to call my grandma, which was her mom. This is the only thing I could think of. Maybe something happened to my grandma and the whispering mom meant my mom should call her mom. Like I said, I just couldn't wrap my head around this and was grasping for straws at this point. We called her at 2 a.m. and she was fine. There was no way I was staying in that room or using that bathroom. I climbed into bed with my daughters. I did not fall asleep until the sun came up. Y'all, I still had a whole week left in my visit. I had a conversation with both my mom and dad the next day. I asked if they had any paranormal encounters and they said no. I asked if someone died in the house and they said they didn't know. I asked who lived there before and it was a nice couple with children and all are still alive. And there was only one other owner before that, but nothing out of the ordinary. Then my dad says, oh yeah, your uncle came over to visit when we first moved in the house and he walked into the kitchen one day and asked me if I'd ever seen shadow people in the house. Apparently my uncle said he was walking through the living room and saw something that looked like a shadow person. My dad kind of laughing nervously while he said this and I just stared at him. At this point in time, I didn't know much about shadow people. Now I'm super creeped out, scared to walk around the house, but I can't leave and cut my daughter's only summer trip short, and I definitely can't tell them this story. I have to suck it up, I have to pretend like everything is normal, and they, sorry, normal, hmm, they are going to visit my parents every year. From then on, I slept in the girls' room. Needless to say, I actually stayed up almost every night until the sun came up in the morning and then slept till like 9 a.m., Finally, it was the last two nights and nothing else happened. I'm starting to get mad at myself and I'm trying to tell myself, you haven't gotten any sleep. You're ruining your vacation. This is ridiculous. And I'm trying to tell myself I need to get over this. I most likely will be coming here once or twice a year for who knows how long. 
I decided to stay in the middle room for the last two nights. Everyone's asleep again. I'm in the room. The door to the bathroom is closed and locked from my side with the light on. I shut the door to the hall because it's dark out there and no. I walk across the room and climb into bed and as soon as I get into bed, something hits my door from the hallway hard. Like one hard knock or pound outside my door. Oh, hell to the no. You did that on purpose. I fly from the bed, yank the door open, look down the hall towards my parents' room. It's dark and they're asleep. I look towards my daughter's room. It's shut and dark. Everyone is asleep. I go straight to their room, climb in bed with them, and just think to myself, okay, you win this time. Try to imagine it. You are in your bedroom and something whispers mom from your bathroom twice. This is not the end of the story. We continue to visit my parents every summer for the next few years. I seriously never get good sleep because I'm so afraid I'm going to hear something from that bathroom. I never tell my kids about my experience, even as they get older, because I don't want them to be scared to visit. We never even talked about it around them. At this point in time, my older daughter, Arielle, is around 13, and she has started flying to my parents' house by herself for the summer. She's been staying in the middle bedroom, the one I normally stay in. She comes home from my parents' house and she goes, Mom, I have to tell you something. She proceeds to tell me that she was sleeping in the middle bedroom and she woke up and there was a figure of a teenage girl at the end of her bed. She said it was dark, but the girl was standing there with long dark hair, hands at her side and fists staring at her. She said she was terrified. I was floored. I figure now is the time to tell her about my experience because she was afraid that no one would believe her. I told her what happened to me. We started coming up with all sorts of theories. Was this girl missing? Was she calling me mom because she was looking for her mom? Did I remind her of her mom? We started looking up missing girls in the area, murdered girls in the area. We really just couldn't find anything that matched up with the house. A year or so after that, both my daughters were at my parents' house for the summer and were helping with the yard work out back. One thing I didn't mention before is that my parents live on a green belt. I know you ladies know what that is because I'm pretty sure I heard on an episode where you looked up the definition. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> Their backyard basically backs up to a huge open area of forest. So in the front of the house, it's a normal neighborhood with sidewalks and houses. But the backyards of some of the houses are on the green belt. You can climb down from the yard to the edge of the fence and go out and there are trails and pretty much open land you can explore. It's also pretty scary at night for a city kid like me. You can be sitting on the deck and hear animals walking around in the dark, huffing and making noises. Anyways, the girls are right down by the fence line to the green belt and are moving rocks for their grandparents. As they are lifting up these rocks, they are starting to find scraps of material in the dirt, like flowered material from a shirt or a dress or some piece of clothing. They keep digging and keep finding strips of this cloth. They run to tell my parents because they think it's odd, and they all do some more digging with shovels and such, but don't really come across anything else but the material. What the fuck? I thought this was really weird. My parents said, oh, maybe they used the material for some sort of gardening or to keep the land from eroding. Is that a thing? Like I said, I've lived in the city my whole life and don't really know about stuff like that. I began my search again for missing girls and still came up with nothing. 
What do y'all think? There have been a couple of other things that have happened since then. My husband came out of that middle room after laying down for a minute and was white as a ghost. Literally all the blood drained from his face. I said, what's wrong? And he said, nothing. My mom and I looked at each other and knew something wasn't right. He had gone outside and I followed and asked again what had happened. He said he didn't want to talk about it inside the house, but he had just laid down to close his eyes and he heard clear as day someone laugh in his ear. The handyman came over to fix something in the house and asked my mom about the children playing in the middle bedroom. She said, what children? And he said he had heard children laughing in there. Ladies, I really don't know. What is with that middle bedroom? Who is this girl? Why is there material out by the green belt? Why would whatever it is whisper, mom? I can't help but feel it all has to be connected. Creep it real, and if you don't want to be scared, don't go in that middle room. Keep on creeping on, Kirsten. Donna, by the way, if you haven't watched the documentary, The Last Days of Left Eye on YouTube, you might want to. It's about the days leading up to the death of Lisa Left Eye Lopez from TLC. I'd like to hear your take on it. She was creating it right before she died in the car crash. And the car crash is actually filmed in the documentary. It has some really weird paranormal stuff going on, it seems. And I was left feeling pretty creeped out. You may have already covered it as I'm still catching up on all the episodes. I have not. And I didn't know that there was some paranormal stuff there. So thank you. Carrie, I have a true crime sinister sighting case for you. For you, I will send in at some point. It's about how my mom was kidnapped when she was 21 back in the late 60s in Northern California. She was at a party with friends who introduced her to a friend of theirs. She went to the store with this guy to get some more beer and he kidnapped her. He took her to an abandoned house, strangled her until blood came out of her ears, tried to rape her, and suddenly took off because something scared him, basically leaving her for dead. She went to the police and apparently this happened to other women in the area around this time. I can't help but think this guy must have done this multiple times and may have even killed people. The story is so scary. I don't think this was his first nor last time doing it. I want to record her telling me the story if she will let me so I can get all the facts straight. But she has a really hard time talking about it. I've tried to look up serial rapists in the area at that time, but I think I need more details for me to get this guy's approximate age and such. Man, those were some good PSs. So he was never caught? I mean, obviously, that's what they're saying, but, like, he is never fucking caught. That's scary shit. Yes. Also, I don't know, because when you're saying all this, I'm like, I feel like it has to be connected, too. I don't know what it is, and it might not be, like, missing or murdered, but you said, like, no one had lived in that house that had died, but maybe around that area or something, but the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's weird. But also I learned if you don't want your grass to grow in your garden, you could put down cardboard. I did not know about that. So there might be some strips of fabric shit that I don't know about either. Yeah, well, like, even, like, if you, um, to keep stuff from washing out, you know, you use, like, tile and such, you know. Yeah. So it could be something like that, but, yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. I don't want to go in that middle room. I ain't, yeah, I ain't fucking going in that middle mm-hmm. room. First of all, I ain't nobody's mama, so don't wake me up <laughs> calling for me in the middle of the night. <laughs> but that was good thinking on your part, though, about it might have meant that your mom needed to call her mom yeah that for real okay the next one is tawanda's true crime story hey ladies this is a bit lengthy so bear with me this story begins in the small town of kennett missouri 
2010. I was a young teenage girl who had just met an amateur MMA fighter named Matthew Estes. I was 17 years old and he was 22. He was always respectful and caring. Fast forward a few months later and we were a couple. In the summer of 2011, we were moved in together and engaged. Months later, I'm pregnant with our baby. We married in 2012 and things started to change. Matthew began to beat me if the house wasn't in perfect condition. I wasn't allowed to speak to my friends or be around any of my family. A prisoner in my own house. He would headbutt, choke me, and body slam me while I was months pregnant with our first child. I was told if I left, it would be through a shotgun barrel, so I wouldn't leave. My phone was confiscated, was only allowed to use the vehicle if he was with me or I had to find a ride from a family member. I had no neighbors or anyone to reach out for help. Fast forward to 2015. I had suffered years of rape, which was daily, sodomy, beatings, and was estranged from my family. We had added two precious babies to our family, both of which were against my will. Don't get me wrong, I love all three of my babies and always have. The abuse was worsening. My hair was down to my bra strap at the time. After I came home from a hair appointment that lasted too long, I was beaten and held down and my hair was cut off to my ears and dyed brown. I was told I wasn't allowed to do anything that cost money out of his pocket anymore. By December 2015, I finally had enough. We had a verbal argument which resulted in Matthew smacking and choking me to the point that I passed out and I woke up in our bed to him continuously punching me in the face. While this was going on, my three and two-year-old witnessed it. Luckily, my four-month-old didn't have a clue what was going on. My face had even been slammed into the doorframe of our bedroom. The impact was so hard that the frame was cracked. The kids were left in their room and had their playpen in front of the door while the fights continued, this time in the kitchen. After the first physical altercation we had had that night, I finally defended myself. When Matthew attacked me again, I smacked Matthew in the head with a cast iron skillet, which only led to him taking it from me and beating me in the back of my head with it. I was knocked to the ground and was kicked in the ribs multiple times. I put my legs in the air and kicked the motherfucker in the dick twice. After that, the fights were over and the kids were put to bed by Matthew. Before we went to bed that night, I carried the biggest kitchen knife I could find and casually showed it to him and told him, if you come into my bedroom tonight, I will gut you like a fucking fish. Needless to say, he slept on the couch that night, by the grace of God. The following morning, I woke up with a swollen face and sore body, obviously needing medical attention. I was laying in bed praying, God, if there is a way out, let me see it. I started to feel peace, excitement, and happiness with tears streaming, adrenaline like no other. I power walked to my kitchen, and my car keys that were usually locked away from me were on the counter. I packed all necessities into my car and fled the house. I pressed charges and went to the hospital. I walked away with a bruised kidney and ribs, luckily no major injuries. Matthew was arrested and went to jail and was charged with two domestic assault charges and was bonded out by his father in January of 2016. Months later, he had a new girlfriend that was pregnant from a different relationship and had a 22-month-old little boy. By the end of April, I was contacted by the police to keep the doors locked and not to answer any calls from him. I asked why and was told that the information was confidential at the time, but there had been child abuse case they were investigating and that Matt was on the run. The night of the beatings, the little boy's mother was sent to the tobacco store to get a can of dip because he was too drunk to drive. When she came back, the little boy's door was shut. When asked why the door was shut, she was given a bullshit excuse that he didn't want to wake the baby up while Matthew took a shower. 
she bought it. The next morning after the discovery, the little boy was taken to the MED in Memphis, Tennessee. The 20-month-year-old had been beaten in the middle of the night. Doctors discovered that the little boy suffered three skull fractures, a detached retina, bruising all over his body, and his face had knuckle prints on his forehead. He was discovered in his crib by his mother, who was waking him up to get ready for their day together. Matthew went to work hours before. After being suspected of the abuse, he disappeared. After days of searching for Matthew, he was found by the Kennett Police Department with their German shepherd sniffing out his cousin's house who had been hiding him. They discovered what appeared to be the little boy's blood on his work boots and his Jeep was abandoned at Lake Perry a few miles out of town. He was arrested in May of 2016. Trial began the following year. Matthew was given a misdemeanor charge for the abuse that I had suffered and a not guilty verdict for the second one. The jury stated to her attorney that she was just looking for a way out and I made this up. In 2018, he was granted bond, which his father once again paid for. Matthew was walking out and around, living his best life, still harassing me. In 2021, he was facing trial for the child abuse charges for the 22-month-old in September. He is remarried with a baby and is rumored by his family that he is abusing his new wife as well. I'm now remarried to a Marine veteran who would eat Matt for breakfast and the harassment has finally come to a stop for now. My husband, Will, is adopting my three babies and loves me unconditionally, and I have never felt more safe. Just keep your fingers crossed that justice will finally be able to be served to this low-life piece of shit and that no other females have to become his next victim. If anyone else has these experiences, know that you're not alone and there is a way out. Just remember, if a man is ever attacking you, drop like a box of rocks and kick them in the dick. Thank you for all you ladies do, and thank you for listening to my story. I love listening and educating myself with this podcast and being part of the APC family. Much love, Katie P. Just wanted to add that the subject is named Tawanda's True Crime Story because she is my spirit animal. If you know, you know. Hashtag fried green tomatoes. Oh my goodness. That's heartbreaking. I am so sorry. I'm so thankful, though, that you were able to get out and that you have found peace and happiness despite what that fucker did. Yeah. And Donna just looked it up and tell him what you found. This was published December 22nd of last year, and it said that Matthew Estes was sentenced to 30 years for first-degree assault and 16 years on child abuse. And the sentences to be served concurrently. Golly. Boy, bye. What's the saying? I hope he has the day he deserves. Right? Oh, my gosh. I hate that for his person that he has right now and just anyone he comes in contact with. I'm so sorry. But I like that. Kick him in the dick. All right. The last one. Embarrassing sleepwalking. Hey, ladies. It's Tabitha again. I figured I would send in a funny one for y'all to lighten the mood a bit. Although it's funny to most people, it's straight up embarrassing for me, but anything for you two. Okay, so I was probably around 10 or 11 when this happened. My parents, sister, one of my brothers, and I were living in an apartment complex on the first floor. At this time, our neighbor had moved in with us because her roommate up and moved out of state. And as I said in my first entry about my haunted Livingston home, my parents like to help out people down on their luck. So anyways, as this was a two-bedroom apartment, my sister and I again had to give up our room yet again. 
and we bunked in the living room with our brother. For how small this apartment was, it had a very spacious living room, so we were able to put in a bunk bed and another twin bed along with a couch, a chair, an entertainment center with our clunky box TV. Well, I started to sleepwalk most nights, so my brother gave me his bed and he took the bottom bunk since I would bump my head a lot sleepwalking. And while switching with my sister on the top bunk was just a recipe for a broken leg or two. There are two incidents in particular that I will never live down in my family. The first one was more of sleep talking. So I fell asleep a little early that night, like 7 p.m., so my family was still in the living room watching American Idol. You know, back when it was fun watching with all the bad singers. Who remembers She Bangs? I loved it but glad they're not capitalizing on others' embarrassing moments. Sorry, now back on track. My brother Aaron tells me as he's walking out of the kitchen, which directly faces my bed, I shot straight up in a sitting position staring right at him, freaking him the fuck out. Silence for a couple of seconds before I say, and I quote, let's put some glow sticks in our ears and dance. Then immediately fall back asleep. No idea what the fuck that was about. So my second story involves my upstairs neighbor. I would regularly tutor the younger kid in math. And as owners of an ice cream truck, his parents would pay me in free ice cream. Oh my God, sign me up. Right? Now my extra large ass pizza self would never turn down free food. Especially ice cream. Legit was about to say, especially ice cream. Exactly. And from an ice cream truck. That's even better. Well, one night while everyone was asleep, I got out of bed, walked out the front door, walked out to look up and face my upstairs neighbor's door and yell, where the hell is my ice cream? I need my ice cream. Now, how would I know this is what I said? Well, while I thought everyone was sleeping, my brother and a couple of his friends were sitting outside our door just hanging out in the middle of the night. You know, a regular thing. Hoodlums. (laughs) Well, He just sat there and watched the live show laughing until I started cussing at the kid I tutored. Hey, you little fucker, get the hell down here with the ice cream or I'll make you fail math. Oh my God. My brother immediately grabbed me and brought me back inside and put me to bed. The next day, my parents had added extra locks to the door and one at the very top just in case I learned how to unlock the door. Luckily, none of my neighbors heard me cursing in the middle of the night like a legit maniac, and my parents are glad that's as far as I went, especially since we were just a very short parking lot away from the side of the road that enters the freeway, so tons of traffic. Now, anytime glow sticks are brought up in any occasion, I know what's coming. Gotta love family. Well, that's all the sleepwalking stories I have for y'all. I thankfully grew out of that stage and sadly grew into insomnia, but you know, can't win them all. Hope you all enjoyed and will now never look at a glow stick the same way again. Love y'all and all the amazing content you continue to bring us creepsters. Creep it real and don't get scared. I freaking love that. And hey, you know what? You got to get emotional sometimes when you need that ice cream and they just aren't giving it to you. I mean, like, snap to it. Hurry the fuck up. (laughs) Hey, you little fucker. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I say to Jack sometimes. (laughs) Hey, you little fucker, stop that. Uh, I could just see your brother be like, (laughs) like, that's my little sister. She's so weird. And then be like, oh, shit, hold on. (laughs) 
Oh my god, y'all, these stories were so good. Like also in like the worst true crimey possible way. Right. But y'all get y'all get what we mean. You're our people. And I'm really glad we had a light one to end on this time from that heavy one. Yes. Thank y'all so, so much for sending in all your stories. You can keep them coming. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.